Hey everyone, welcome back to the All Things Gymnastics Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Brittany. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things gymnastics. And this week we have a lot going on. Mainly we'll be recapping the 2021 European Championships and the American Classic. But in the second half of the episode, maybe around the 45 minute mark, we have an interview with UCLA senior Polina Trotz. She will be reflecting back on her college career and what it's been like adjusting to college and life in the United States. But before we get into it, we want to real quickly thank our Gold Level Patreon supporters. Thank you to Maya A, Becca S, Nina L, David P, Stephanie S, Blake B, Elaine E, Rydog, Faith M, Kristen R, Lori S, Sabrina M, Amy C, and Erica S. Thank you so much for your continued support of our show each month. We appreciate it so, so much. And let's get into all the action that happened this past weekend. So before we get into our interview with Paulina Trotz, we want to real quickly talk about some of the elite gymnastics that happened over the weekend, which is crazy because I feel like it's been so long since there's been elite gymnastics. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was Winter Cup, but I just feel like you get so into college gymnastics and you get so used to watching it weekend after weekend that you almost kind of forget about elite gymnastics. And then you watch a meet again and it's like, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> I know. It's totally like a mindset shift that you have to make. You know, the Olympics are only, I think, like, 90-something days away. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, I guess depending on what day you're listening to this, it might be a little bit off. It's definitely, it's, it's lot, we've hit the 100 mark, so we're less than 100 days away. Yes, that's accurate to say. And I'm super, super excited. We had the European Championships happen over the weekend, and we also had the American Classic. We're going to talk about all of it. But first, I want to mention Larissa Yurdaki. She qualified to the Tokyo Olympics. Yay. How cool is that? That's one thing that I think the gym tonight is all in agreement on. We were all rooting for her to make it to Tokyo. Yes. And how cool is it for her to do that, especially after the last couple of years that she's had, you know, with not qualifying to the Tokyo Olympics, or not, I guess not getting the individual spot for the... To Rio Olympics. Did I say Tokyo? Yeah. I, Rio. <laughs> yeah, I said it. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Yeah. To the Rio Olympics. Catalina Ponar went to Rio. Yes. And then, you know, she basically took three years off from gymnastics, came back at the end of last year at that other, like, European championships at the end of 2020. Yeah, the fake European championships. Yes. (laughs) And then she came out, she got fourth at qualifications, qualified to the all-around final, but ended up having to withdraw because she had some sort of like kidney infection. She was actually in the hospital like shortly after the meet concluded mm-hmm. and at least the next day. I, I believe she's okay. She's better now, but yeah, she's out of the hospital now. Was just in too much pain to um, move forward and compete, which is probably a smart decision yeah. not to push it, especially this close to the Olympics. And especially when you just got your spot to the olympics yeah (laughs) so like i said in qualification she got fourth behind three of the russian gymnasts but because she was the top scorer not on a qualified team like the russians already qualified a team that means that she got her individual spot so super great for larissa super great for romanian gymnastics she's kind of been the saving grace the last several years yeah there's something about larissa that i think i saw a couple people talking about this on twitter like why the gym internet is so attached to Larissa mm-hmm. and we're also like emotionally invested in her. And I think it's because she's like that final piece of 
the old Romania. Yeah. It, like, it feels that way. Like, Romania was so dominant way back in the day. And there was that period of time where, like, they were actually pretty good in, like, recent years. And Larissa was a part of that. And now everyone else is retired. They moved on. And Romanian gymnastics is struggling. And Larissa is kind of, like, the last hope for, like, a medal. Yeah. To go to any major international competition and have a shot at being on the podium. She's, I was just about to say that. Yeah. She's kind of, like, the, the saving grace. I think you already said that. But, yeah, I think it's just something to do with that. And gymnastics fans are just so like, invested in her. Yeah, that, that makes reason. sense. It'll be sad the day that she retires because I think that's when we're really going to see this new era of Romanian gymnastics. And we've kind of been getting into that for the last couple of years where Larissa hasn't been competing. We're kind of like, oh gosh, what's about to happen with Romania? Like they're not going to have any gymnasts competing in Tokyo. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Larissa comes back to save the day, but we don't know what her plans are for after Tokyo. So I guess we'll have to see. But yeah, I think that the whole gym tournament, it was a, a collective happiness and a collective sigh of relief when she qualified to Tokyo. For sure. Something else that I wanted to mention was the German gymnasts, or at least a few of the German gymnasts. I know Sarah Voss, Elizabeth Seitz, and Kim Bway in the all-around final wore bodysuits, like mm-hmm. full bodysuits. So they had their arms covered, they had their legs covered, and just trying to make a statement about sexualizing women in sports and sexualizing female gymnasts. Such a power move. Yeah. To be wearing those. This is the first time that we've seen a female gymnast wear a bodysuit for reasons outside of like religious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've seen gymnasts wear bodysuits before, but I think a lot of people, myself included, to be honest with you, didn't really realize, I guess, that you could wear a bodysuit or that you could mm-hmm. wear, you know, something covering your legs. I, yeah. I always, you know, we just, we see leotards and that's what we've all been accustomed to. So it was really, really nice to see the German gymnast sort of take a stance on that. I know Elizabeth Seitz said that it was kind of like one less thing that they had to worry about. Like they could actually focus on their gymnastics and not their appearance, what they looked like if something was going to slip out or, you know, worrying about if people are looking at her or just being uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important that they are able to have that decision for themselves and to do what makes them feel most comfortable. Sorry, hold on. I have to cough. (coughs) (laughs) She doesn't have coronavirus. (laughs) I'm like talking and I can feel it coming up. I hate that. Um, But I just, yeah, I think that's so amazing that they feel comfortable enough to do that and to do what makes them feel good when they're competing because I would imagine like if I was a gymnast that would get in my head a little bit like if I'm worried about what I look like or worrying about people looking at me like I'm the kind of person that like cares about that stuff like I worry about that stuff Mm -hmm. and I can only imagine if I was trying to compete and trying to focus on my competition so yeah I'd like to see them doing what makes them feel good I don't know if I personally like the look of the body the whole bodysuit as much Um, but I also think it might just be one of those things where I'm not used to it like we're so used to seeing leotards yeah and seeing the gymnast legs their bare legs that it just kind of when you see it it's like whoa like it stands out that's what I was gonna say I actually don't mind it um, you know, after looking at some photos of the German gymnast, I actually think it looks kind of elegant and maybe in a way disguises some form deductions or, you know, yeah. built in deductions they'd be getting with bent knees, stuff like that. I it's saw, funny. I saw a lot of talk about that. Yeah. Especially when they're wearing black. 
like mm-hmm. the leg part of the bodysuit is black and they're in a dark arena that there could be some it, it works to their advantage <laughs> yeah. maybe a little bit i don't know how to word it like a pot- potentially disguising little errors i don't know but I, I really think it's no different than you know a dancer wearing a bodysuit mm-hmm. you wouldn't really think anything of that so why is a gymnast any different you know right oh and i fully agree that they should be able to wear whether it's shorts leggings a full-blown bodysuit like whatever makes them comfortable they should be allowed to wear that i think that if more gymnasts were to start doing that it would take some getting used to yeah it's not conventional it's not mm-hmm. what you typically see but I, I truly, like, looking at the photos from it, looking at the videos, like, I, I actually didn't mind it. Like, I, I felt like I was focusing on their gymnastics. They looked beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't necessarily think, you know, oh, what is she wearing? You know, so, like, some people might. Some people might, you know, if they're not a, a gymnastics fan, might be flipping through on their TV and think, why is this gymnast wearing something different than the rest of the gymnasts? Right. And I think that's a big thing, too, especially with coaches. They like the team to look uniform. They want everyone to be wearing the same thing. And I can only imagine if Marta Crowley was still a national team coordinator in the U.S., I feel like she would never let a U.S. gymnast wear a bodysuit. Uh, no, probably not. But, but it's not about what the coaches want. It's not about looking uniform. It's about the gymnast being comfortable. Yeah. And that's what I like about them doing that at the European Championships and not being like told they can't do that. Yeah, it's, it's a statement. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to actually read from Sarah Voss. This was a little snippet from an interview she gave. She said, we women all want to feel good in our skin. In the sport of gymnastics, it gets harder and harder as you grow out of your child's body. As a little girl, I didn't see the tight gym outfits as such a big deal. But when puberty began and when my period came, I began feeling increasingly uncomfortable. And those are the kind of things that I feel like people don't think about you know mm-hmm. like yeah. uh, a young girl's body that's growing getting your period and then having to wear a, a somewhat revealing out not that lead are super revealing but you know you it know can things happen. be sometimes even by accident yes it's not the most comfortable thing to wear, I would imagine. And that's coming from somebody who has never actually worn a leotard. I know you have, Ashley. Yes. But um, I, I couldn't imagine being on my period or just going through, you know, what young girls go through when they grow up and they become women and they grow boobs and, you know, Your all these... Grows. Yeah, <laughs> hips grow. Everything grows. <laughs> well, I guess it's more of their more of their hips, not necessarily their butt. But I mean, everything grows. Yeah, you're not wrong. And yes, I just like the autonomy for athletes to make decisions for themselves, like just to have that choice. Yeah, and I also like that by wearing the bodysuits, they're they're making it about the gymnastics and not about their bodies, which is also exactly how it should be. Yeah, it gives the gymnasts peace of mind for themselves if that's what they're wanting if that's something that they're worried about Mm -hmm. um of course like we've said this is about them feeling comfortable so if they feel comfortable wearing a traditional leotard then great they you know they should have the choice to do that Mm -hmm. um if they feel more comfortable wearing a bodysuit and not having to worry about you know getting a wedgie or you know just somebody looking at them like they also have that choice as well so moving on to the all-around competition we had First-year senior Victoria Lisanova come away with the all-around title. She scored a 56.731, and she had a great day. She truly did have a complete performance in all four events. I think maybe floor was her, I don't want to say weakest event, but um, on her double layout, she did almost fall. She yeah. somehow was able to stand it up. It was actually pretty incredible, but I think that overall she had a clean performance and 
Angelina Malnikova, she got second. And I think that she got second because she actually didn't have quite the day that she was wanting to have. And mm-hmm. it allowed Victoria to kind of come away with that title. And, and how and how big for her being not only a first-year senior, but she wasn't even in the conversation for Tokyo because she wasn't supposed to be originally because of her age. But now that... You know, there's several girls that are now going to be eligible with the Olympics being postponed. She's one of them, and I feel like she's one that maybe is a little more of a lock to make the team than the Americans are. Yeah. Well, this helps her case tremendously. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mentioned just a second ago, Angelina Malnikova, she got second. Um, Her score was a 55.432. I don't know. Do people care about scores? They might, yeah. Okay, I'm saying... I mean, it's good to know just because... Melnikova did have some mistakes, so it kind of gives you an idea of what she would score, what she scores with mistakes, and then potentially what she would score if she had not made those mistakes, so I yeah. think it's good to know. So, Melnikova had a really good double on Vol. Actually, I feel like one of the best doubles I've seen her do. Bars was okay until the end. She fell on her Pike Jaeger. A little bit uncharacteristic for her. Moved on to Beam. Also had a fall on her Wolf turn, so... Just kind of an off day for her, I would say. Flora, she bounced back well. Has a beautiful double layout with a full twist. But I think it was her difficulty mm-hmm. all around that really, honestly, allowed her to stay in second. Because most yeah. people you don't see, unless you're Simone Biles, of course, <laughs> you don't really see in a major all-around final like this somebody to have not just one fall, but two falls mm-hmm. and still be able to come away with a silver medal. Yeah. Well, that's a huge testament to her potential. I feel like, because yeah, if she can win a silver medal with having two falls, like what is she going to do without the two falls? Yeah. She's really going to be a threat for that silver medal in Tokyo. Oh, absolutely. And potentially you could argue potentially even gold. If Simone were to make a bunch of mistakes, which I'm not trying to say that's going to happen. Cause <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, but um, I, I mean, you never know. I think she's definitely one of the best all-around gymnasts in the country. Absolutely, yeah. And I think... Not just in the country. I think I, I meant to say the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I said in the country, and I'm like, wait. <laughs> definitely not... in the country, but also definitely in the world. Yes. yes. I, I didn't even realize that you said country. I said it, and then I was like, wait. That's not Is that what, what I meant? Say. Yeah. <laughs> Coming away with the bronze medal was Jessica Gadarova from Great Britain, And this was her senior debut. So technically, she was a senior last year, but like last year didn't really happen. So (laughs) this was her debut, her senior international debut. And she did so good. She really did have a phenomenal meet. And she was kind of, I, I guess, an underdog going in because she wasn't in that first... Like, the first group of gymnasts. You know, the gymnasts yeah. that start on fall, the top eight. She was starting on bars. Now, you know, those obviously come from qualifications where you where you rank in Right, that so you're kind of, when you're not in that first group that starts on vol, you're kind of automatically being labeled as an underdog at that point. Basically, yeah. And going into, you know, the third rotation, into the final rotation, it was actually her teammate, Amelie Morgan. She was in third. And Jessica totally, like, sneaked in there in the end. And she had... So the broadcast... I was watching the BBC broadcast. They didn't show her beam. But they, like, mentioned that she she hit. She did well. 
Um, her bars was great. Vault was great. Floor was great. Floor actually is one of her better events, clearly, because she went on to win. Spoiler alert. But super, super happy to see her come away with an all-around bronze medal. Her score, I don't think I said it, was a 55.1. So I will say that I'd like to see her clean up her double-double. That's her, that's her opening pass. Yeah. I'd like to see, see her clean that up a little bit because I had to watch it a couple of times to realize what she was trying to do because it you really think it was a laid out it's well she started it laid out it looked like the, the first flip was laid out and the second was tucked so i wasn't exactly sure if that's what she was supposed to be doing which would be like weird because i've never i've never seen someone do a double double that's both laid out and tucked yeah um so i mean I, I think i could tell that it was tucked but I, I know what you mean well at least in event finals that was the one that i was watching a couple times to figure out because she definitely looked like she had it laid out in the first flip and then she tucked her legs. She's like, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I would like her to clean that up a little bit more. But other than but that. She's so beautiful on floor. I yeah. love her dance, her expression, just the way that she performs. And then she also has the tumbling to match. So mm-hmm. she's someone that I'm really rooting for to make Great Britain's Olympic team. I know there's been a lot of discussion online recently about if both the Gatorova sisters are going to make it. With the Downey sisters. <laughs> yeah, it's like we could literally have two sets of sisters and that just be the Olympic team. That would be so iconic. It would be. And I'm, I wouldn't be mad about it. Like, I would actually love to see that happen. It's just a matter of if that's actually going to happen. <laughs> but that would be pretty cool. I will say that would be really, really cool. Moving on to event finals, we had Julia Strangruber win the gold on vault not super surprising she's been you know a force on vault at least on like the european scene and, well, and the world scene too i guess it's fair to say yeah she does have a bronze medal yeah so but that's her that's totally her event yeah that's the part that's not surprising is that if she was coming away with a medal that it would be on vault and she's looking great i would say definitely some of the better vaults that i've seen her do so super excited about that she's looking great heading into the olympics we also had Jessica Gadarova get silver and Angelina Malakova come away with the bronze. Angelina Malakova came away with the bar gold, so it was nice to see her have a nice comeback routine after her mistake in the all-around final. Yeah, and get a gold medal somewhere. And prove that she can do bars and do it well. Mm-hmm. We all know she can. Beam, I was super, super happy to see Melanie De Jesus Dos Santos take the Beam title. Her routine was like rock solid. Mm-hmm. Barely a wobble. There were some little wobbles, if I'm being fair. Little tiny things. <laughs> but like barely. It was such a good routine. She mounted with a front tuck, which I love that for some reason. Like I don't know why that's one of my favorite. Yeah, mounts. it's an aggressive mount. It's just like boom, I hear it. It's so much better than just getting up on the beam in a simple way. Like, why not do a front tuck up onto the beam? Right. <laughs> she also did back handspring layout two feet, super solid. It reminds me of Connor McLean with how floaty it is. Yeah. And the best part of the routine, well, maybe not like with how she did it, but we're, we're still happy. She did the full in dismount. Yeah. And Came she, in a little bit short. Yeah. I was going to say, she definitely, it wasn't the best landing, so that's why I was hesitant to say it was the best part of the routine, because it technically wasn't. It was just exciting to see her do it in competition. Yeah. She only did bars and beam at these European championships, but looking forward to seeing her as we headed to Tokyo, because she's going to be a force. Yeah. Not only on beam and floor but also in the all-around i think that you know maybe this is deviating a little bit from the point of what we're trying to talk about but 
you know, Simone is so dominant and we all expect her to win, but I feel like there's a lot of competition for the silver and the bronze in the all around for Tokyo. Yeah. Like it could be whatever this, whoever the second American is going to be. I'm thinking Suni Lee, which we'll get there in a second when we talk about American classic, but you know, Melnikova and Melanie and there's so many other gymnasts. Even Listanova. Yes. I mean, there, yeah, I could sit here and rattle on a bunch of gymnasts. Like, there's a lot of girls that are really, really good, and I think there's going to be a big competition in Tokyo to get onto that podium. And then rounding things out on floor, the queen, Jessica Gadarova, came away with a gold medal. So she has a complete set of medals. She has a gold, she has a silver, she has a bronze. <laughs> what a queen. It's perfect. We love that for her first international competition as a senior. Yes. Absolutely. And what a way to make a case, you know, like I was saying before, for the Olympic team. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I think a lot of eyes were on her sister, mm-hmm. Jennifer, and for her to come out here and, like you just mentioned, get a complete set of medals, it's kind of like, hey, I'm here, I'm good, I can win medals. It was like her chance to shine. Mm-hmm. And she definitely did just that. Are we ready to move on to the American Classic? We are. Okay, so. I hated classic. this meeting, by the way. <laughs> We'll get into that. So, first of all, just as we did on Twitter, I have a feeling this is going to have to be a reoccurring thing for us, but... Not that I... Like, I understand. Like, not that I blame anyone. Yeah, because we can't assume that everyone heard or saw the tweet or whatever. Um, We're just going to have to keep repeating ourselves. Anytime we watch a meet that's on flow, um, for obvious reasons, flow is horrible. And we watched the meet because I have a free login from Inside Gymnastics because I do work for them. And the credentials are actually given to all media for free. I don't know if that's going to be a thing going forward. I just know because of the pandemic this year, they're giving everything for free because they're kind of limited at the events in person as far as like how many members of the press can actually be there. Mm-hmm. So they're giving people free accounts. So that's why we were watching under normal circumstances, I would not be paying Flo to watch a meet. Never in my life. Not only because they're shitty, but because their feeds are shitty. They're not worth the money. And as somebody that has now watched a couple of their streams and not had to pay for it, thank God, because it's horrible. It's horrible quality. There's no live scores. The feed kept freezing over and over again. Like, I'm over here trying to do live tweets for Inside Gymnastics, and I'm missing half of the routines. Like, and even for this, it feels stupid because, like, I, feel, I can talk about some things, but I also can't talk about everything because I don't completely know what happened because it kept freezing. There was one rotation. Was it the third rotation? It was the third rotation. Every stream was frozen with the exception of B. So anything that happened in the third rotation, uh, don't ask us what happened because the streams were frozen. Yeah, it was pretty so. horrible. And they, they have, as far as scores go, they would occasionally, I would see, put up a score at the bottom of the screen. Really, really, really small print. You can hardly see it. And it would only be there for like a second. Yeah. So if you're like, if you don't look at the right time, you're going to miss the scores. It's just for the, the price you're paying for flow. You would expect more. And then also for USA Gymnastics, like back when Scott Bregman was in charge of all this, his streams were immaculate. Yeah. Like high quality, never an issue with There was commentary. Commentary. You had names on the stream so you know who was going. Scores. Like a production. It was basically the next best thing you can get to be in an NBC broadcast. Actually, take that back. It's better than an NBC broadcast because they actually show all the gymnastics and not just people standing around. So... (laughs) 
I just, it's massive downgrade. For and USA it's gymnastics. frustrating because Lili Young and USA Gymnastics keep saying that they're they're looking forward to growing the sport of gymnastics, and that's why they're partnering with Flo. But that just doesn't make any sense to me. No. I don't understand how not only putting content behind a paywall so that way nobody can see it, but also having it be behind the paywall of an organization that linked to underage nudes of one of your former Olympians. That's problematic. And then just like the quality of the feed as well. Like I, I don't understand in any way, shape or form what this is doing to grow gymnastics. Like, your media can't even mm-hmm. watch and yeah. report on what's happening. Like, the media is struggling because your feed is that horrible. I, when I was watching that, I just could not imagine having to pay for that. I would be pissed. Literally pissed if I had to pay for that. I would have been raging. Yeah. Trying to that, watch that. That is the kind of stream that honestly should have just been free. Like, the quality of it, I feel like. Um, definitely. Because it, it was it was so hard to watch. I would not pay a penny for it. Anyways, with that being said, that little rant aside, that was kind of the biggest thing for me that really preoccupied my thoughts (laughs) when I was watching the meet because I was almost a little bit panicked because I'm trying to watch the meet. I'm trying to take in everything that's happening. I'm trying to do live tweets. And it's hard when you can't actually see everything that's going on. But um, we were able to see a little bit of gymnastics. (laughs) Yay! Woo. Yeah, as we should. Yeah, we for all the money got, people pay. We logged into the stream and we got to see a little bit of gymnastics. Um, so we'll start. Grace McCallum, she was there. She only competed beam. That was the only event that she had judged, um, and she did pretty well. It looked like it was a thirteen nine. One second, let me let me check. Yeah, thirteen nine, which put her in fourth place. So pretty good. Um, we did not get to see her routine. She did not want to be shown on the live feed, and that is a choice that the gymnasts have. So she was one of the main people, if not one of maybe the only people that I know of that asked to not be shown on the feed. At this particular meet, I know I'm yes. you know, back when they would do, like, streaming camp, mm-hmm. um, back when that was a thing, I forget what year, I think 2019 or 2018. 2018, yeah. Yeah. It's not the first time that it's happened. I know a lot of people were kind of upset about it, but, you know, I didn't really necessarily have strong thoughts on it. I felt like this is a meet that we normally aren't aren't able to have access to either way. Right. We only, in recent years, have been able to watch this meet. It's usually a warm-up for classics. So and a lot of gymnasts aren't here, you know, putting out their best performance. You have to remember, too, that it's been, for some of these girls, a very long time since they've competed. And also Grace, she just had surgery i don't really know a whole lot about it i think she was kind of trying to keep it a secret but Mm -hmm. she did post on instagram you know something about her first competition back since surgery and i think for those reasons she just she wanted to get out there on the competition floor for herself and not necessarily be critiqued by the gym tonight yeah i was just gonna say because i don't blame her because i think you know people were upset that she wasn't shown and you know people are kind of like What's the point? Like, you came to a competition. Like, what were you expecting? Like, if you're at a competition being judged by judges, you should be prepared to put your routine out there and have it be have it be seen. 
But with that being said, I feel like if she had gone out there and messed up or maybe not looked as good as the last time she competed, I think people would have just been ripping into her for that as well. Yeah. So it, or, or even just starting to talk about, oh, I don't think she's going to make it to Tokyo. And imagine how discouraging that is for her to see comments like that. She probably just wants to avoid it altogether and just not put it out there for people to critique. Yeah. I don't blame her. To be honest with you, I would be the same way if I was a gymnast. So I I can understand being a little bit more annoyed by it if it was, say, like the U.S. championships. I think that's a meet where, like, you're expected to have people watching you. It's a part of part of the job. Yeah. Um, I guess for lack of better words. And that would be a little bit of a different scenario. This is the American classic. It's like we've already said, it's a meet that we normally don't get to watch or in, you know, not until recent years that we've been able to watch it. Um, I didn't really have a problem with it. Yes. But I'd like to see her. Yes. Do I understand why she doesn't want to be seen? I also understand that. Yes. Is it the end of the world? No. <laughs> What's the end of the world is how horrible the stream was. And the fact that we're going to have to deal with this going forward. Unless yeah. you say gymnastics cuts their, their deal with flow truly that is that's the, the bigger issue um suni lee she's going to tokyo that's all i have to say she's going yeah, to tokyo I, I think we already knew this though like yeah her bars is just too good mm-hmm. it's too good to be left off the team so with the routine that she did at american classic she had a 16-5 start value she won the event her score was at 15-2 she actually, and I don't know if it was just the angle, maybe maybe she always does this, she had a little bit of a leg separation on her Nabieva, like she does the Nabieva connected to Barbage. Um, and then she actually, I noticed she fell on that in the warm-up, which is just, we never see Suni fall on bars, I feel like, so I was like, whoa. Yeah. But she did hit it in competition. Other than that, though, it was just like your typical Suni bar routine, beautifully done. Um, I don't remember if she stuck the dismount. I think she took a small hop. A small hop, yeah. But it was better than the video that Flo posted on Twitter of her in the, well, I don't want to call it podium training because it wasn't on a podium, but... Training. The, training before the competition. Um, the routine she did in competition was better than that one. So for people that didn't get to watch and they want to know kind of how she did, it was better than the one that they posted. So that's really exciting. She also won beam with a 14.55 and that was without a dismount. So she only did a layout as a dismount and she got a 14.55. That's really, really good with not having a dismount. Yeah. Her start value is a 16.1. So, like, she could actually go and compete, compete with this and be competitive without a dismount. She didn't need a dismount. <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> I love that. And then also on floor, I mean, this is also really impressive. She placed fifth, but she got a 13, like a 13.00. Yeah. Um, she only did two passes. Two of her passes were layouts. So <laughs> crazy. <laughs> really crazy. But, I mean, once she adds vault back in, she adds in her beam dismount and... Her floor passes as usual. Um, I think that, yeah, I, I, I don't want to like jinx things, but I'm feeling pretty good about her chances of being in Tokyo. Yeah. I think that she's not only one of the best gymnasts in the United States, but she's also is one of the best gymnasts in the world. Mm-hmm. And I just can't imagine this Olympic team without her on it. Mm-hmm. We'll have to do a whole episode talking about Olympic predictions. Oh, we will. We totally will. That, that's coming. We're getting there. Um, real quickly, I just want to give the podium finishes. So Sky Blakely actually won the meet. She had a 55.350. She had a pretty good meet. Beam is 
kind of known as her best event, and that was her best event at the American Classic. She got a 14-3, and that was good for second place. Um, Leanne Wan was second. She had a 54-450 in the all-around. She upgraded her floor routine, so she's now starting with a double-double as her first pass. Um... Try not to judge it too much, because like we talked about with Grace, like I think there's a lot of there's a lot of factors that go into people's preparedness right now. Yeah, and I anticipate things to get a little bit better as we head into classics and championships. Um, I do think she has a little bit of work to do on that double double. She came in really low on it, um, some form issues on it. She took out the piked Arabian double front, which I personally like that. She did that at the American Cup in 2019. 2020. Was it 2020? Yeah. Was that 2020? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was 2020. And then Morgan was there too? Right? Whoa. Hold no. On. Morgan won in 2020. Leanne won, won in 2019. Who else was there in 20? Is Kayla Sello. Oh. Wow. Wild. I know. <laughs> I feel so off. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about like what year that was and I was trying to like just bring it out of my brain without having to look it up. Um, it was not 2020 though. Yeah. It was 2019. It was 2019 sis. Get it right. Oh my gosh. Okay. I mean, yeah, that, that, that's okay. (laughs) You're like, whoa, my world's Um, getting rocked over here. Yeah. But anyways, so she took that out. That was at American Cup of 2019. That was the first time she ever did the Arabian double from in the pike position. I kind of liked that skill so i don't know if it's still a possibility yeah you know this is not a surprise but alfon <laughs> engage they just aren't really that good i think with routine construction not even so much on floor but i think on beam for kara acre and then bars a little bit also for kara acre just some interesting choices well even on floor for kara because at american classic she Went for the three and a half twist punch front, which it was better than what we saw at, I don't know what that meet was called. There was, there's videos on YouTube. If you look it up, there was like a in-house meet at Gage, basically. Is it it Dragon Invite? Maybe. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Um, and it was not very good there. She, it just doesn't look ready yet. It looks like she's trying to throw something that she can't do. Like when Michaela Maroney did it, it was like so easy for her and Kara is trying to do it and she's also trying to add a punch front out of it and she's so under rotated on the three and a half twist that when she goes for the punch front her timing is off on the punch yeah and yeah I think it's just a recipe for disaster hold on you said Michaela Mar- oh Michaela Maroney she did a three and a half twist. I'm wow I'm sorry you know what, what I'm thinking huh? Michaela Skinner no I'm ima- I'm trying to imagine Michaela Skinner <laughs> doing that I'm like wait like, you said it so confidently, so I wasn't going to correct you. No. And I'm like, wait, when did Michaela Skinner do this? No, Michaela, Michaela Skinner ended with a triple twist last year. Well, not last year, 2019. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're all over the place. This is a mess. <laughs> I think it's it's what we said at the beginning. It's, first of all, it's having, it's getting back to normal after so long of not being normal. And it's then like a also, whole year that's gone, basically. And then also getting back into elite. And recognizing skills even, because I'm so used to watching college and the routine structure is pretty much the same. And the skills you're seeing over and over again are pretty much the same. 
Um, and then you come back to elite and it's just, you're seeing all these skills that you're not seeing in the college side of things. And it's just a lot to process. It takes a moment. It's not that you don't know it, but it takes your brain a second to switch back to that side and Mm -hmm. know what some of the skills are called, like the actual names of them. And I know you were having a hell of a time live tweeting this weekend. I'm pretty sure I got some things wrong, but also I can't totally blame me because I'm also trying to do this with a feed that keeps freezing on me. So, um... Anyways, we were talking about Leanne Wan on floor, her double-double. Well, I I want to mention her on vault because she did do just a year Chanko double. Won the event, got a 14-4, and that's very, very good. Um, We know she's capable of doing the Aminar, and I think she's really going to need that if she wants to get to Tokyo. Because she does have all-around potential, but also I think with only four all-arounders being named to the team, you basically already have Simone as a lock. You could say maybe... Yeah, no, I, I would say pretty confidently that SUNY is going to be a lock. Um, so that leaves two spots. And a whole lot of gymnasts that could get one of those two spots. And with Grace, you know, I really wonder what she's going to bring because she was training in Aminar in a chain. And from what I had seen from videos, it looked really, really good. I kind of see her really being a strong contender for one of those spots. Even despite the surgery? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I don't think say. it's going to be like a Maggie Nichols situation. I'm hoping not. She doesn't have enough time, you know, to come back. I think we'll have more clarity on that at Classics. Hopefully, if she does all four events. And if she doesn't do all four events at Classics, then maybe that's a conversation that we're going to start having. Kind of like what Maggie was doing in 2016. But for now, I think, um, yeah, I, Leanne Wan, I think, really needs to, she needs to bring the difficulty, but she also needs to be doing it well. Um, and then same with Kara. So we'll, we'll see. I, I don't want to get too into my predictions right now because I, I do think a lot is going to change. I almost don't even like, I feel like I haven't thought about it too much. Like my prediction, aside from SUNY and Simone and feeling pretty confident in what they're doing because SUNY posts all of her routines. And so we always ha- kind of have a good feel, at least on bars, like what she's looking like and kind of, you know, how she could stack up against yeah. someone like Nina Dural, but... I think so much can change, though, with the next couple of months and championships and classics and Olympic trials. Like, I still think we have a ways to go. Yeah, there's still Um, a lot that's going to happen. I I don't want to start making predictions off of the first meet back for a lot of girls in a very long time. Um, But I do think that for Leanne and Kara, there's definitely some work that needs to be done. We'll, We'll say that. Kayla DeSello was one of the other big names that was there. She only did Bars and Beam. I don't recall seeing her at all on the feed. So can't offer up much in way of what she actually did. Sorry about that. But um, but I can tell you that she got second on bars with a 14-6 and then seventh on beam with a 13-2. So she's another one that is in the conversation for Tokyo. She's in the mix. I think sometimes people kind of forget about her. But um, yeah, I, again, I think that there's a lot more that we need to see to be able to start putting together the puzzle pieces. So much depth. I'm just sitting here thinking about even people who weren't here, like Connor McLean, Kayla Skinner, Lori, Chelsea Memo. There's just so And Morgan Hurd. Morgan Hurd, Riley McCusker, yeah. Jade Carey. Yeah, because Jade Carey is going to be, from what it sounds like, she's going to be going to Olympic trials and fighting for a spot on the actual team, like the four-person team, despite the fact that she already locked in her spot as an individual to Tokyo. Yeah. So we're going to... a lot of people have feelings about. Yeah. And we're, we're going to do a whole episode where we talk about our predictions and we can maybe get a little bit deeper into that. But 
Um, I think this was a good warm-up meet for a lot of these gymnasts getting back out there on the competition floor for the first time in a while. A lot of these gymnasts that we saw here at the American Classic, we did not see at the Winter Cup. So, and then vice versa. A lot of the gymnasts that we saw compete at Winter Cup, like Riley and stuff, we, we didn't see here. So, everyone's getting back out there, and it's going to be an intense couple of months leading up to Tokyo. Do we have anything on the juniors? The junior session was hard because there was no identifying of gymnasts. So well, it was this also was... hard because they said the meet was going to start at 10.15. I get on at 10.10. The first rotation's already almost done. So they're also it's lying this... about the time of the meet. Yeah. Um, there's They weren't IDing hardly any of the gymnasts. And this was the first time that we were seeing a lot of the junior gymnasts. So to be completely candid with you... I didn't really know who anybody was, with the exception of, you know, a few we've seen in the past at championships, you know, back in 2019 and things like that. So, Kaylin Chio won the all-around. She put up a 53.650, which actually would have put her in third if she was in the senior division, so kind of interesting. Impressive. Her bar routine, I think, is really what stood out to me. Yeah. A lot of improvement on that event. A lot of upgrades. upgrades. Yeah, it was a really good routine. Watching her on bars, I felt like I was watching a senior gymnast. Mm -hmm. Like I was watching something that would be in like the event finals at the World Championships. (laughs) It was really, really good. Um, Ella Murphy from Volga, she was second. She got a 51.5. So many Woga gymnasts. Mm-hmm. They ha- they're back to having. It was back like in the old days. Back in, I'm acting like this was a long time ago, but like back in 2013, like around that time, they had like a really big field of Woga gymnasts. There'd be at least like five of them, I'd say. Yeah. Even back in like 2010, though, too. I feel like. Yeah. Well, because 2010 they had like Lizzie Leduc, Madison Koshin was a junior, Caitlin Ohashi, Alyssa Bauman. Alyssa Bauman, yep. Um, Mackenzie Wofford, Wofford. I don't know how which which way you pronounce it. Um, yeah, they had a big crop of junior gymnasts, and they had that here at the American Classic as well. Madre Johnson, also from Woga. I loved her. Third, yeah. I really liked her beam. Yeah, she had a lot of difficulty. So she starts with a layout step out up onto the beam, and then it kind of looked like she was trying to connect it into a triple series so like a backhand screen layout step out layout step out um she didn't do the connection but in warm-up it kind of looked like that's that's what she was trying to do so, so maybe down the line that's something yeah to look for um she had an anodi yeah just for a junior gymnast she had a lot of difficulty especially on beam um she's somebody that i could see definitely in the conversation when we get to championships you know for winning that junior national title yeah Kalia Lincoln, she recently moved to Wogai. We saw her at one of the only meets in 2020. It was right before everything shut down. She was at Gymnex. And that was the first time that we had seen her in a while because she competed in 2018 as an elite and then didn't make it to nationals. And then she kind of disappeared for a while. Um, I had heard that she just wanted more time to like improve her gymnastics and get more difficulty she just wasn't quite ready yet she's really really good on floor that's kind of her her event um and also has a lot of power on ball but was weaker on bars and um watching her at the american classic i I see so much improvement in her i think that she's somebody that is also going to be in the conversation for you know getting on the podium at championships yeah Um, Very much improved. She did get 10th here at the American Classic. She didn't have her best meet, but also given the mistakes, I I still think that she scored 
pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, when, and just you said, like, the potential. You yeah. can see, you know, once she gets it all together, that she can be one of the best juniors right now. Absolutely. And the same with Nola Matthews. She's someone that I think is a beautiful gymnast. And, you know, she works out some of the mistakes that she has. I think she's going to be another one of the junior names that you hear a lot of going forward. Overall, though, it was nice to see some juniors competing and looking forward to seeing what they can bring at U.S. Championships and the U.S. Classic in a couple of weeks. This is the future of U.S. gymnastics, truly. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are going to be the girls that we're seeing for the next several years. This is going to be the post-Simone Biles generation. And there's also girls that, just like with the senior division, they didn't compete, like Jocelyn Robertson. She's a top junior. Ella Kate Parker from Cincinnati Gymnastics. She won the Winter Cup. So there's other girls as well that are also going to be in the mix but yeah a really exciting group of young juniors coming up and I think with the Olympics being postponed and you know all the craziness it feels different than it does in normal years because normally this is when you'd be focusing on a lot of the juniors but it still feels like we're focusing on the Olympics because we are and we normally wouldn't be if the yeah. Olympics would have happened in 2020. We would have like Connor McLean and Sky Blakely. They would be the first year seniors and they would be the ones that everyone has their eyes on in the senior division. And then we'd be looking at the juniors for, you know, the future. Um, and everything's just a little bit different with the Olympics still yet to happen. But the Olympics are still looming. <laughs> right. But... The point still stands that these are girls that are going to be the future of USA Gymnastics. So always good to watch them and looking forward to classics in a couple weeks. So moving on, let's get into our interview with Paulina Trotz, who just finished up her senior year at UCLA. She is a former German national team member, a two-time national champion on vault for Germany, and was also an alternate to the 2016 Olympic team. Then at UCLA, she helped the Bruins win their first national title since 2010, and that was during her freshman year in 2018. And ever since, she's just been a solid contributor on ball and floor throughout her whole career. And we are so, so excited to have her on the show here with us today. So without further ado, please welcome Paulina Trotz to the show. Take us back to last season when the season got canceled. You're like, I have to think back to last season. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You guys, I think at the time you were third in the nation and the season got canceled. Um, So just take me back to that moment and like, what was your reaction when you heard that news? And like, what were you thinking and feeling? Honestly, it was really overwhelming because not only of gymnastics, but because the whole world felt different with, Every, everything being shut down and also season being canceled and related to the team we've definitely improved and I feel like we were in the on the right track to get better and better to really show our full potential mm-hmm. in postseason and at national so this was definitely really sad and disappointing that we couldn't keep growing and get better and show off what we're capable of doing. Did you go back to Germany or did you stay in California? Yeah, so first, I think we all thought, oh, this is not real. Like, maybe everything is going to go back to normal soon. But pretty much soon after that, a lot of people just left for home. Mm -hmm. And for many of them, it was easier because it's just an hour drive. But I was, like, sitting in the apartment by myself. All my roommates completely moved out. And I was like, okay, 
I guess I should go home and I talked to my parents and we were trying to figure out um, the best plan. And then, yeah, I flew home, I think, mid-March and stayed home till September. So what was preseason like in terms of training for you? Like, did you have to, I imagine you had a quarantine for a period of time when you got back to California? Yeah, so this was this whole process of obviously like in March, we all had to quarantine and we couldn't train. Even over the summer, the rules were, were really strict at home in my home gym, a maximum, I think, of 12 people in the gym. And since I'm not officially training there anymore, I was just like trying to get in as good as I can. Mm-hmm. And then coming back to California, we had really strict quarantining rules from UCLA athletics, from UCLA and California. I feel like it just came all together. And we all had to quarantine for two weeks in our apartments and then we were able to get back to practice for a little bit but then also over winter break the same thing happened again where we went home I didn't go home because it just would have been too much and wouldn't have worked out with all the quarantining in Germany and then in LA again yeah so anyways like all of us after Christmas break came back and had to quarantine again so this was right before season yeah and then we had 10 days to get back and to compete our first meet so this was just a lot of up and downs and I feel like especially towards December we kind of like got on track and our bodies felt more ready to do gymnastics again and then we had again winter break and then we had quarantining time and then in within 10 days we competed so this was definitely a really intense time yeah how hard was that to like turn around and compete in such like a short period of time all the other teams well not all of the other teams because there were some teams that weren't training at all I feel like but there were several teams that had been at that point already training for like months so how did you guys kind of navigate that kind of being behind the eight ball a little bit like you were a little bit behind everyone else just because of all that quarantining and I feel like specifically in California things were really strict there so how did the team kind of prepare for that first meet of the season under those circumstances I think one thing that really helped us was that our mindset was about enjoying that we get to do that that we do have a first meet that we have the opportunity to be together with 20 teammates because a lot of people could not do that to that time so just celebrating that that we can be in poly compete and be in this environment even though without audience and another thing is just that I think we knew that's what it's going to be like and we have to like stay in shape during the winter break and do some workouts in quarantine and then just try our best and that's what we did. Mm-hmm. So despite everything, you went out there your senior year and you were doing bars. You did bars twice in the lineup at the beginning of the season. You also exhibition beam. <laughs> so tell us about that, adding in those two events. Was that kind of a spontaneous decision or was that something that you were like trying to do your whole career? <laughs> no, definitely more spontaneous. I don't know how this happened, but I guess over summer, I kind of just struggled finding motivation because of COVID and I didn't know like if we're gonna have a season and I was just in a really different place being at home too Mm -hmm. but something sparked my switch I don't know what it was but I noticed okay this is my last year and I'm capable of doing gymnastics right now I don't know if I will be in five years so why not make the most out of it and have fun with it and 
be proud that you can flip around as much as you can right now. Mm-hmm. So then I really started enjoying gymnastics, I think almost more than ever, like the actual gymnastics part, like flipping around. So I was like, hmm, as long as I can do it, maybe I should try bars and why not beam just to see what I can do. And when I when we came back to LA, since we started with more basics, we all started on each event really lightly. So I was like, well, I can do kips on bars. Well, I can walk over the beam. So I just kind of jumped in then and kept going because it was fun to do something I haven't done for a while and see mm-hmm. how it feels. So had you done bars like in training at all while you were at UCLA, like your, your whole career? Had you ever trained bars? I have like my freshman year I started for like a week maybe but then my shoulder hurt and this was kind of my exit out of bars so I didn't really and then uh, this year Mm -hmm. I just started doing it well that's really impressive it is (laughs) we had you on our do you know about fantasy gymnastics not really no okay well basically it's like so a bunch of gymnastics fans we like have you have like a, a random team assigned to you basically you were on our fantasy team and that week that you did bars we like didn't have anybody like in our lineup so we put you in and it was perfect because we weren't expecting you to do bars and I'm like oh let's put her in and then you competed wow that's so funny I yeah. had not expected either because especially the first meet um we were, I mean yeah I did train bars but I also didn't think of myself that I will compete mm-hmm. so I walked to the poly and then I noticed that I didn't bring my grips, but I was like, well, I don't do bars anyway. So I just walked up to Chris and said, Chris, do I need to bring my grips? I don't think so. Right. He's like, "Mm, I think you should bring them. So Kyla went back to my apartment, grabbed my grips while I was warming up. And then Chris like, oh yeah, maybe you should warm up just to see. I'm like, oh, maybe you should be in. I'm like, okay, (laughs) I guess. But it was fun. I was like actually really nervous. I was like, that's a, fun challenge opportunity like I'm gonna enjoy that I have the opportunity to have another event in poly so that's so awesome (laughs) what was it like competing this season without having fans in the stands because UCLA like has one of the best student sections I feel like and I haven't been there but just from watching it like on the broadcast like it seems really fun and exciting so for you as an athlete, you know, all these years you've been used to competing, you know, with fans in the stands and also not being able to have your family there your senior year. What was it like competing under those circumstances? Definitely in the beginning, I could not picture Polly without an audience, without our student section, because it's so unique. And I truly feel the love and the excitement all these people bring, something I've never experienced somewhere else. So that was definitely a bummer knowing that that's not going to be like that my senior year mm-hmm. and I almost think in the beginning it felt more awkward than in the end whereas now like I can't even picture Polly with audience anymore yeah. because it's the new normal yeah but I think uh, I mean it definitely is more challenging to bring the energy up within the team because there's just so much emotion coming in from the audience and so much excitement that the adrenaline is higher but I think we tried our best just like keeping up the energy within our team. Mm-hmm. And with your parents being in, well, not just your parents, but your your whole family, I guess, being in Germany, how often would they come in a non-COVID year? How often would they come to see you? So when I came here freshman year, the original plan was me taking summer school and kind of getting used to everything by myself. And then my parents can 
come a couple of weeks after to help me move in and stuff. Mm. But then I got the opportunity to compete at university games in Taipei, which were at the same time as summer school. So I ended up going to Taiwan first and then straight from Taiwan, I flew to LAX. And my parents had already booked the flights before I knew I'm going to compete at the university games. So they were already in the US while I was still competing in Taipei because I was just like, so they were waiting for me basically to come. <laughs> and then they helped me move in and stuff. So this is the first time they were there, like kind of just helping me get everything organized. And then the same year later, my dad came and visited me. And then the following year, which was my sophomore year, my whole family came and they watched two meets and I was able to spend some time with them. And they were also planning to come last year during regionals, I think, but then they couldn't come in anymore because the borders were closed. Mm -hmm. I was definitely like, I was really excited for them to come. I kind of was going through a hard time last year and my brother was planning on coming with a friend to visit me and just to like have somebody there from home and maybe explore a, a little more I was really excited about that. And it was two days earlier that they closed the border. So my brother couldn't come in. So this was the first disappointment. Also meaning that my parents that were planning on coming two weeks after that could also not come. Mm -hmm. But then I guess I ended up um, going home. Yeah. 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 And for this year, I mean, we did not plan out exactly what we wanted to do or when my parents wanted to come. But I think definitely someone was supposed to come for graduation maybe even my grandma with my brother and maybe my parents for my senior meet but mm. it is what it is <laughs> I'm not sure like the time difference between Germany and California but were they able to watch a lot of your stuff online yeah they watch most of the meets I guess it's a nine hour time difference from California okay. and depending on what time the meet is and my mom so I was like, oh, I'm going to go to bed. And then she ends up watching it. She just says, like, she doesn't because she, like, wants to see it. And I feel like it just depends on their mood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're too tired. Yeah. Um, so when did you first start thinking about wanting to do college gymnastics? Because you were competing in Germany, obviously. You were on the German national team and kind of going down that route. So was college gymnastics something that in the back of your mind you always wanted to do? Or like, when, how did that all come about? Definitely not in my mind what I always wanted to do. And I honestly did not even think about it till really late compared to um, American recruiting processes. Mm -hmm. um, I had two friends that already have been in the U.S. and did college gymnastics, but I didn't really think anything about it because I thought I couldn't really live in the U.S. and away from home and I couldn't really see myself there. But then one of my other friends went to Chicago and her coach started reaching out to me if I wanted to do the same thing. And then I got kind of more comfortable with the situation, like, hmm, why not? Because I also didn't really know what I wanted to do at home. I know that I did not just want to do gymnastics or just go to school because that's just like hard to find a balance in Germany. It's either you do gymnastics or you go to school. Mm -hmm. And I also didn't know what exactly I wanted to do for school. So that's definitely something really unique that the US provides doing school and sports in one mm -hmm. and still having one year to decide your major. So this was definitely an incentive. And then 
I thought if I have have the opportunity, I definitely want to make the best out of it. So I just started researching and talking to some people. And I talked to Peng's old coach, Carol Angela Orchard, because she worked with the national team and she had sent a couple of her girls to college teams. And she gave me some advice where she could see me fit in. So I just randomly started writing emails to coaches. I was like, hey, I'm Paulina. I'm from Germany. Here's my gymnastics. Can I come? <laughs> and a Here's bunch of them actually. <laughs> and then I narrowed it down to California. And then I visited Stanford, Berkeley, and UCLA. And I decided to come here. And then everything just happened so fast. I was like, that's what I'm going with. And I actually started writing those emails in 2016 that's when I committed to in November and then I came in 2017 so everything happened really Mm -hmm. fast just out of curiosity if you hadn't have come to college do you think you would have still kept doing elite or were you pretty much done with elite at that point and then decided you want to go to college no idea (laughs) I probably would have stopped doing gymnastics and would have traveled for a year and then go to school I don't know that's also just because I'm comparing myself to my friends right now what they did <laughs> so I can't really give an answer to that yeah I um in preparing for this interview with you I went back and watched your first broom banner interview and you said that you reached out to UCLA and that you didn't like hear back right away is that like how, can you explain like how just how you end up at UCLA and guess- yeah well this was um I started writing those emails and then I didn't hear back from UCLA I was like well maybe I should try again mm-hmm. and I did and then Miss Bell answered me and she seemed really excited and I answered back and she then didn't reply and then all of a sudden out of the blue I was asked you want to come to an official visit I'm like sure because yeah UCLA was probably the only team I've heard of from Germany because college gymnastics was just not present at all mm-hmm. and then I just looked up videos and I'm like oh yeah that looks familiar I've seen something like this mm-hmm. like posted on social media or I don't know where or I knew or I knew a couple people obviously so I was hmm, I'm this little girl here from Germany so I doubt that they would show interest so I was like might as well try it because I can't lose anything mm-hmm. and then they offered me an official visit and then I was excited and came and really liked it. (laughs) What was, I guess, the transition like for you, you know, living in Germany and then coming here and living in the United States? I would imagine that was maybe a little bit of a culture shock. I guess just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it was definitely challenging in many ways. First of all, just being away from home, being away from my family, because I do have a really close relationship to my parents and also to my brother and to my friends and then the culture here is different too and one thing like really simple we would not really share a room with someone and then me walking into the dorm and having to share a room in a really close space I walked out and cried for the first time when I walked in because I couldn't picture myself living in there yeah and another personal thing is that I think when I left to go to college, I felt really confident in who I was and I was happy with that. And I was so focused on not changing myself and staying true to my values because I know things are different and people make different decisions 
because of their cultural backgrounds and I just wanted to stay true to that but it was almost too much that I wanted to hold on those values rather than being more open-minded and try new things and explore myself in different areas too so that's definitely something I had to learn over the years to find a balance like still knowing who I am and staying true to that but also sometimes just having to go with it to make it easier for me and I do have to say that every year was different basis like homesickness and those personal struggles but I think every year got better and easier whereas this year was probably the easiest to just like yeah I'm living here and that's okay and I fit in and I'm doing it my own way and that's cool yeah was there anything like I don't know either like a specific food or like something that people say or something that people do here that you were like what the heck because <laughs> I feel like yeah the culture just has to be I mean I've never been to Germany but I would imagine it's so different than the United States so was there anything that you when you saw it for the first time you were like what the heck is this <laughs> Probably not for me. It was more that I had those expectations what people are gonna do, and when when once those expectations were fulfilled, it was hard for me to accept mm-hmm. because yeah. I was like I was just waiting for it. I'm like clearly they, I don't know. <laughs> um, how was your English when you came to UCLA? I don't know how much you knew. Before. I don't know if it got better or not. Like it probably <laughs> sounded like that. No, <laughs> hopefully not. <laughs> Um, I learned English in high school, so that was pretty good mm. and a decent amount to come here to survive. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, like, as a student, like, do they make accommodations for people that come from different countries? Like, are you expected to write, like, papers and do homework to the same standard as all the other students whose first language is English? Yeah, definitely. Like, but I feel like that's totally fine because obviously it was my decision to come here. So why should I complain about it? Mm-hmm. That's my choice. And yeah, I want to challenge myself in that way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, coming here, it was definitely hard in the beginning because yeah, I did have a decent vocabulary, but it was really challenging listening to people's conversation and with different accents and just so fast paced that I was trying to listen to their conversation and to jump in. I was trying to build a sentence in my head to then be ready to say it. Yeah. And then the conversation already moved on. And I was like, dang it. Okay. And just like those, like, how do you say it? When you just have a everyday language, basically. Yeah. I did not have those words to just make it seem more easygoing. I was more taught how to write in English and what words to use and in the beginning, people made fun of me because I said like those fancy words and yeah, like, everyday conversations. Well, yeah, like I think maybe like slang words is what you're trying to say. Where it's oh like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where it's like you probably just knew like basic English, but then you know there's all these different words that mean different things, and they're they're slang, so it's not necessarily. Yeah, or there's there's some words that have like multiple meanings, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like that would be hard as an international student coming in. I feel like I, I couldn't do it. Yeah, that's definitely. Or some jokes, I just, I still don't get them. I was like, well, okay, I guess it was funny, so. <laughs> You're like, I'll just laugh. Go along so I'll just laugh, or I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> so circling back to this season, as a team, I guess, how did you guys pick yourselves back up in those moments where, you know, maybe season wasn't going 
the way you want it to like you know you guys didn't qualify to nationals like in a moment like that what kinds of conversations was the team having to sort of bounce back from that disappointment I think it was all like going back to being grateful for that year that we had the opportunity and that we did learn a lot of this year and that we had a lot of challenges thrown on us and just using this in the most positive ways we can to be ready to get out there in the world and using those hard challenges and experiences to move forward and also to maybe do things better especially gymnastics related and for next season um I wanted to ask about your floor routines like honestly your floor routines from all four years they're so fun so amazing did you always have that kind of confidence performing on floor was that something that kind of got brought out of you when you came to UCLA I honestly feel like I did but I couldn't show it as much Mm -hmm. like I always liked playing around with my looks and I was excited to see what college gymnastics can bring out of me. Yeah. I definitely was excited. So I was like wondering and I was home like, I wonder what floor music, what floor routine they're going to give me and how I'm going to look doing that. And I definitely was kind of nervous because it is a different kind of dance and performance in college gymnastics, mm-hmm. but also really excited and just being a little extra and having fun with it. Well, every floor routine that you had, you always pulled it off super well. So we Thank you. <laughs> Which one is your favorite out of all four years? I think my um, one for you is your freshman year. I think that's my favorite. It's freshman year and junior year. Do you ever get to give input on your choreography or is it just kind of up to? Well, I know it was at first it was probably Val and then the last couple of years have been BJ Das, but do you get to put an in input on your routines? Yeah, definitely. Like sometimes more than I want to because... I can't come up with stuff. I don't know what looks good. So I'm like, BJ, just tell me what to do. <laughs> tell me what to do and I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's fun. Like we play around and look what fits well with my dance moves and my performance style. And then we kind of work together and see like, oh, maybe try this, maybe try this. And then I can decide that which one I like better. Or just, I just put on the music and you dance. I'm like, okay, I'm trying. <laughs> what would you say when you look back what has been your favorite memory or a favorite moment from your time at UCLA just in general I want to say that my favorite experience is just the support we get at UCLA as being athletes and from all our gymnastics fans and from the medical staff and like everything like nutrition and the treatments we get we're just so well taken care of and so supported by those people at UCLA, by our fans, which makes it really, really unique to be part of that team and of that culture. And that I know I would have not experienced if I would have stayed at home. And one moment, like I feel like I have to go back to my freshman year winning nationals. Yeah. Like it was definitely extreme emotions coming at me that moment something I've never ever felt before so much excitement for other people for myself for this community and I actually almost passed out it was crazy like really really unique emotions and something I'll never forget we were in the stands for that meet when you guys won and 
yeah we were like I was freaking out I almost passed out too so (laughs) because we were rooting for you guys so hard to win and it it started it was starting to look like Oklahoma was gonna win I I low-key didn't want that to happen (laughs) I wanted you guys to win and then like Pen Pain needed like a she needed a 9975 on beam and then she got a 10. Well, I mean we're telling you as if you don't know. Well, I'm just saying yeah. experiencing that as a fan, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like freaking out. So honestly, that's like one of the highlights of my life was watching you guys win nationals. And also mm-hmm. how cool for you being a freshman, you know, your first year at college and to be a part of a national championship winning team. I feel like that's yeah. just the coolest thing. Yeah, it was definitely interesting because I came in as a freshman and like the mentality also in sports, I think is really different. And like, you really put out there your goals and like, we're going to win a national championship and we're going to train for that. Whereas maybe I was brought up like, I mean, it would be great if we win, but is it actually realistic? Like more careful. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of put into them like, okay, we're going to win. We're going to win, I guess, if that's how it works. And then we actually won. Like, this is crazy. When you're competing, do you watch either scores or do you watch kind of what other people are doing or do you just kind of stay in your own bubble it kind of depends I usually stay in the own bubble with the team and scores wise sometimes I look sometimes I don't yeah and sometimes I'm also curious what other teams do but I mostly stay in the bubble and I think it's also really important to just be fully there with your team and give all your inner energy to them and to them who are competing and obviously myself who I'm competing the question that everybody is wanting to know I'm sure you were (laughs) anticipating this question was coming will you be coming back for a fifth year or are you possibly considering it or are you done I can tell you that I don't know Okay. I'm like in the decision process right now and I'm like actually freaking out because <laughs> it's so hard to make a decision yeah and like one day I think about this and the other day I think about this and I'm like but I don't know yeah well are you graduating like when do you graduate um so after this quarter I have six units left so I could either take them in summer or next fall Okay. okay yeah because that I feel like that definitely plays into it too like you kind of have to have like a game plan or, or an outline of what you're going to be doing with your classes if you were to come back yeah. so yeah because I know some athletes are taking they're doing like grad school um but then it's yeah, like, I think to grad for school. that it's too late like I haven't applied for grad school yeah. yeah well it's definitely a tough decision so I mean I'm just glad that you're at least considering it <laughs> <laughs> gives me a little bit of hope but also I mean you have to do what's best for you too so whatever you do we're gonna be rooting for you what are your future plans though in terms of like even way in the future like what do you want to do <laughs> you're like don't ask me sorry for stressing you out <laughs> uh, well I wish I would know no but um so my plan is whenever I'm graduating to go back to Germany or at least Europe and do internships to just explore different fields and explore myself in different areas and maybe combine this with traveling to go to different countries, different places. I really want to go to South Africa to do an internship there. And hopefully then after a year of trying different things out and getting more experience and knowing where I'm at, I might want to do a master's depending on in what, in what I like. And I think this would just be for myself and my personal experience fun to see how studying in Europe would be because I do think it's really different compared to the U.S. being yeah. an athlete and then being in Europe and just being a student. And I think that's something I 
do want to experience and combining that with the education and getting a master's degree would be great. So you were the host of Broom Banter this year. One thing that I really enjoyed was watching you teach your teammates how to say things in German every episode. So we were wondering, will you teach us how to say something in German? We were thinking maybe just like all Finns Gymnastics podcasts. That way, if we ever find ourselves in Germany, we can promote our podcast to people. We won't know how to like ask for directions. We don't know how to order food, but we'll be able to like yell our podcast name at people. So basically, you guys' podcast name in German. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so all things genetic. That sounds really bad in German because sometimes translations don't make sense when I say yeah. them in German, but I'm still just going to say it because sometimes that what, that's what happened at Broom Ben English sentence. And I was translating into German. I was like, does that even make sense? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Alle Dinge sind Turnen podcast. So is podcast, does podcast not translate in German? Like, is that not a word? Yeah, we use podcast too. Honestly, maybe I should okay. Google if there's like an, another word. Because also when I speak English a lot, I sometimes forget how to speak German. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of weird, I know, because it is my first language, but I'm going to go to my Google Translator right now <laughs> and type in podcast. I doubt, though. It okay, I have a question. No, podcast is podcast. Okay, I have a quick question, and this might be a really stupid question. What language do you think in? Like, you know, when you're thinking to yourself, like, are you thinking in English or are you thinking in German? It really depends on what I'm thinking about and what a mental state I'm in right now. I think if I think about things I've experienced here and thinking about school, it's definitely English. But if I think about situations at home and my friends there or whatever, it's German. But I don't know if you watched the last episode of Brew Inventor, but mm-hmm. Savvy, yes. I talk about my dreams that I also sometimes speak German and sometimes English. I think that's kind of like, the same thing depending on what I'm thinking about that is so interesting <laughs> okay I know, so it's one, confusing one more time so like break it okay down. So like, how do you say like all things alle dinge alle dinge alle dinge dinge with it like it's ng alle dinge alle dinge yeah kind of I'm alle dinge <laughs> sind Turnen. Sin Twanen. Okay. Podcast. Podcast. That, that part. I got that part. <laughs> Good job for that part. Yay. <laughs> Let's try it again in one. Alle Dinge sind Turnen Podcast. Alle Dinge. <laughs> yep. We, we suck. We failed. <laughs> you hard. guys can do it like one time all together. Alle Dinge sind Turnen Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> I mean, podcast. I got Alle Pod- Dinge and Podcast. <laughs> Alle Dinge sind Turnen Podcast. Okay, so what I'll do is when this interview comes out, I'll just like go back and listen to this part over and over again, and then I'll, I'll get it. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. We have German in us too. Our, our last name is German. Yeah, our last name is Bueller. Bueller? Yeah, maybe? like. Um, like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You, you have oh. a piece of that in your floor music. Right? Yeah, my my floor, last year's floor music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I know we 
we maybe not that we should know German, but yeah, we technically do have a German last name, so <laughs> we gotta work on so it. Maybe it'll come to you after you listen to it again, and then it's just yeah. like fluently. Like. <laughs> yes, we're just suddenly gonna be able to say it. We're gonna get off this. And it's just gonna yeah. To us. <laughs> Next time the interview is gonna be in German. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. It was it was yeah. nice talking to you. And we're keeping our fingers crossed that you come back, but <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> if not, we've loved watching you the last four years. You've been one of our favorites. So yeah, thank I'm wishing you, so you good luck with everything that you do in the future. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me on your guys' show. Thank you guys for tuning in to this week's episode. And we want to say thank you again to Polina for taking the time out of your day to come join us on the show. And we look forward to seeing whatever it is that you decide to do in the future. So next week, we're going to have another interview with a senior who just wrapped up her gymnastics career. If you are a Patreon member, keep your eyes on the Patreon app because within the next day or so, we're going to be posting who it is. And that way you guys can ask questions if you have any. So keep your eyes on that. And we're also going to do a little fifth year update because in the the last few days, we've had a lot of gymnasts posting either retirements or that they're coming back for a fifth year. So we're going to talk about that as well. So until then, we hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your week and we will talk to you next Monday. Bye. Bye.